I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second episode of The Elephant Room. Today, we are going to be talking about blackness. What is blackness? Where was blackness 400 years ago? What is it now? And what is blackness going to look like 400 years from now? My name is uh, Mike Truth, the Nomad, a.k.a. Boogie McCab. But today you guys can call me Boogie. And um, I, I'd like to thank um, Get Vocal for this platform, Indie Radio, Kinte, and my co-host um, LA is going to be joining us a bit later on today. So um, I, I welcome you all, Shannon, Sybil, and everybody else that's in the room. Let's have a great show. Right. Hey, welcome welcome to the room. Welcome to the room, Andre. How you doing? I hope everything's going good. So today we are going to be talking about blackness. What is blackness? See, like blackness is a, um, it's actually a colonial term that was uh, devised to basically bring forth a whole lot of division and separation on, on on the journey to conquer the world, basically. And I think a lot of us we've, we we basically um, we've accepted the like the concept of blackness, and we we basically lived out what Dave ascribed blackness to be. And when you look at uh, history, basically the the distinction between whiteness and blackness is that. Blackness is, is associated with the lesser. Well, 400 years ago, we're talking. It was associated with the lesser, while whiteness was supposed to represent, you know, the supremacy, something that's more dominant. And so everything then during those eras, like so, they had basically like um, the enslaved people that came that came to um, to the Americas and the Caribbean and such, because of their skin color. And also, like the, the the classism that was involved, they were basically projected the, the term blackness to them, while that whiteness was supposed to be that that is superior, better, and whatnot. But if you just go back a bit a bit further a bit further than that, when you look back at the history of um, African history, you realize that there were a lot of great civilizations, a lot of great kingdoms that existed prior to um, to basically like, uh, colonization. So I think the actual concept of blackness, it wasn't, um, it wasn't yet coined in those times because, like, I mean, you're around a whole bunch of people that look like you. So, that, so there were different types of uh, distinctions that pe- people would use. And it wasn't actually in terms of um, whiteness or blackness. It was much more so, um, how can I say, cultural... Uh, cultural traditions, um, religions, languages, and things like that. So it, it was only until the Europeans they they came in that they introduced the whole notion of um, blackness, and then so from from that on, from, from that point on, I think people really just accepted and like adopted this narrative. And if you look back for 400 years ago too, that like you 
you would not want to be black. <laughs> like, I mean, black people were enslaved, whipped, <laughs> like, like, sheesh, like, what, like, you name it, like, anything that was negative was associated with, with, with blackness. So there's, like, that you that you have it is it's it's basically how can I say this? Can say like do, do you do you have any input in regards as to what blackness is for you? What blackness represents? Um, for me, blackness is represents uh, our people. Uh, it represents uh, a desire to claim your roots. You know, for me, um, blackness is that you know we've we're told from the from the beginning that our skin is our sin right mm. we're told that that black isn't beautiful we look at the mm. 50 most beautiful people and if there is somebody black they usually are barely passing you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so so you know even if we get one like a idris elba or even a lupita or something like that it's like one but the mother 49 though no, you know what i'm saying so <laughs> So, you know, we have to deal with that on a certain mm-hmm. level, like that you're not what's in, you're not what's popping, right? It's uh, acceptable. Right. I mean, we had a little moment when Wesley Snipes, you know, kind of brought it, kind of brought us back, you know, as Dr. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was, as they say, right? <laughs> right. And that era is over. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, so blackness to me is, is us accepting are the beauty within and understanding that, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm um, just saying something, but we do come from Kings and Queens. We started society. We, you know, we're very important to the fabric of humanity and, and blackness also means that we, we were with one with the land. You know what I mean? We, we understand nature. So if you think about if you think about this earth when we were in control the world wasn't dying <laughs> you know what I'm saying the planet wasn't right. dying so uh you know so I think in order for us to get in touch with our blackness or what blackness should be to us is to accept that yes we've had a horrible history in the last 400 and so years but we need to rely on the previous before that and and post in the last 400 years think about this all the things that's happened to us uh from slavery jim crow reconstruction to now and we're still here you know like we're still here we're still here we're we're hanging on by a thread but we're still here that that's important for us to understand and to um and it's in, important for us to to say that. So blackness to me is 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 beauty, and it's the beauty within. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, I like to welcome um everybody that's in the room right now. Um, vet, welcome to the room. Dre, Curtis, well, welcome. And there's two two spots available. So if you guys want to jump into this conversation, jump in. And my co-host La, she just um walked into the studio, so she'll be joining us shortly. I was about but to yeah. warn you. I was like, somebody's in the back. They trying yeah. to get you. They trying to get <laughs> <Everywhere>. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, so like that's the thing with blackness too. Because like I think like uh, in an earlier conversation with a friend of mine um, named Candice, she she mentioned how blackness it actually has evolved. It, it, it seems to basically be evolving because if you look at what it was for four hundred years ago, like so the narrative that the Europeans basically gave to us and we, which we accepted 
was that of enslavement and the lesser than. And so along with, with that experience, oh, there goes LA again. <laughs> <laughs> so along with that experience, we, we basically, um, I think what's going on now is that we adapted that, that experience and we didn't really know how to be as a people because now, because what, what occurred then is like, so from kings to slave, to ensla- ensla- enslavement, mm-hmm. what occurred is basically like the breaking down of identity. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, I was having a conversation with LA the other time and I, and I was like, you know what? When we, you look at a lot of black people nowadays, we seem to have a case of, um, we don't know our, our identities, like where we really came from. And the narrative that we, we, we have been given is that of enslavement. So then the, the thing of identity becomes really, really um, important. And the cool thing is um, while I was meditating last time, <laughs> I meditate a lot, <laughs> um, the word um, self-awareness came, came, came up. And the cool thing with that word is that when you break it down, so self-I-awareness, then it's like a person gets to ask themselves, like, where am I? So the first part is like self-I-aware, like your location, where are you? in order to find your identity and where you are and um, basically like the, the history of the world. And then, so basically like you have, you have the self-I-awareness and then you have the self-I-awareness, which is uh, yourself that you basically, you, you carry and the, you, the way you show up in the world. And then the spiritual aspect, the self-awareness. So us as black people for this topic here, the, this conversation, I think the part that we were trying to hone on the most is the location where we are and that's why i think we're trying to focus on where we were 400 years ago and how that has led to us now and basically where that's going to take us like um and by the way guys like feel free to, to chime in you could, you could grab a spot like there's two more spots but i think that that narrative and um can't say that i don't know if you agree with me but our um narrative has been that of resilience and, and brilliance because, first of all, having your identity stripped away from you, like completely, and still be here and, and kind of function to some extent is, you know, remarkable. Right. But there's a lot of traumas that, that has come along with that because there's been a lot of, uh, if, if you look nowadays in society, there's a lot of black people that are suffering from more mental health um, challenges and, and different various things. And those, they stem from traumas that basically occurred 400 years ago. And we're still living through that, trying to find like our, um, I guess our, our our bearings, like our handling. But you know, Dr. Joy DeGruy, who, if you don't know this sister, you you'll fall in love with her. She does this uh, lecture called Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. She there's also a book as well, and um, she really talks about uh, how we haven't been able to heal since Ooh. slavery. And she, this is this is beautiful uh, lecture. If you haven't if you haven't seen it, and um, called post traumatic slave syndrome. And if you haven't if you haven't had an opportunity to see it, it'll blow your mind. It's 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 amazing work. And she's an amazing uh, individual. I I would love to to chop it up with her at some point. But yeah, that's oh look yeah. who we have, Miss Miss Hey Wade. man, it's hard being an overnight celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? Excellent. I see we have some gun shy people who aren't logging in to fill some spots. <laughs> What's that all about? How do we have conversation without talking to each other? 
Yeah, <laughs> Carter, Shannon, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Hi, nice to see you all in the room. Welcome, welcome. Mm-hmm. So, what have you talked about thus far? So we we started um, just touching on um, what blackness is and what it was um, four hundred years ago. Yeah. And so we were just basically kind of looking a bit at that. And when we started off, I just wanted to touch on our history before enslavement. So talking about the African empires and who we were. And so just, okay. um, yeah. You know, what's interesting, I just did an interview um, on another platform for my work, actually, mm-hmm. which um, we work with a lot of, <laughs> we work with a lot of disadvantaged people who are trying to go back to school, the transitional year program at the University of Toronto. And this man has interviewed me, a black man, and he, I told him what we were going to be talking about. And he said, he doesn't believe blackness exists. So I was like, wow, man, they got you. They got you. And, and in one sense, I know what he's trying to say mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, blackness is just this social construct that's put together. But this is the real life experience that we're having. Um, we are having a black experience, whether or not what that was constructed for me or not. It's still very much related to my opportunities. It's very much related to how I see myself. Um, It's related to how my relationships function. There's so many aspects of if he wants to pretend like that doesn't impact him, well, man, let me drink whatever it is that he's drinking. (laughs) Because, I mean, ultimately, isn't that our goal is to try to get to a place where we can just be, um, we can just be people. But I don't want to take away from the fact that what this blackness has given me all of this time Mm -hmm. and um, the rich culture by which people that look like me in different monochromatic um, hues has been beautiful. And I don't want to take away from that by any means. Um, So yeah, I was just shocked that he was saying that, oh, blackness doesn't exist. And I think it's that whole idea of colorblindness as well. Mm. Give me a break. This is is things that are taking away. Hi, who's that, Curtis? Yes, hey there, what's going on? Hi, Curtis, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Hey, welcome, Curtis. I love the lights in the background. I'm a big okay. photography person. Yeah, I do, a lot of, I do a lot of work with video. Very nice. Yeah. Do you have an, did you have something to say about what I was talking about just then? Um, well, just just overall, not necessarily in particular to what sure. you were But um, I think the bigger the bigger part of our uh, blackness, uh, I absolutely do believe that it, it, it exists. But I think the bigger part of it is just that um, we, um, uh, at least growing up for me, and I think I'm sure I'm not alone, but uh, it was the education and uh, uh, was a huge piece of it, and I think more so nowadays we hear only of the slavery piece of it, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people don't want to touch base, touch that because it's it's you know it obviously hurts, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of pain attached to it, um, not only for us but for the whites as well, or the, you know our counterparts if you will, but um, even before slavery, and I think I came in on um, what. Uh, came on in the end, the tail end of the conversation. And I think you guys were talking about prior to slavery was the schools and the universities that existed. And we, you know, we're, we come from uh, the lineage of kings and queens and things of that nature. Uh, and that's a piece of it that's not talked about. And I think mm-hmm. for me as a black man, that's where I get my power from. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if, um, if I don't know them, it's just, uh, you know, even for when Obama was, uh, Obama was president, I didn't necessarily agree with everything he's, that he said or a lot of his policies, but my point of it is that 
he was a black man uh, uh, that for many years that we were told no. And it was very much empowering for me, it was. Right. Mm. And so I, I think a lot of us as black people, we're just missing that history piece of it. And the history piece is empowering. And uh, again, for me growing up, I didn't have a black history. What, what was that? You know, and I think for a lot of us, we, we've been given someone else's history. Yes. And um, we've been living out of that. And, 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 it, and it's, it's, it's painful to live someone else's story. You know, uh, I'm a Christian, but and I think about how David was uh, trying to, um, how um, uh, David was getting ready to go to battle uh, to fight the Philistines. And he was prepared to, he was preparing and yet, they were saying, well, here, put this, put, put Saul's armor on. Right. And he, he couldn't wear someone else's armor, you know. Exactly. So he, you know, so he, so he had to, he had to work with what he had, which was the stone and the, the stones in the uh, slingshot. My, you know, again, that's just, I, I think it's a history piece of it is, is so much missing. Uh, my former years, I was a flight attendant and, and I had this gentleman who, who was a uh, historian and a, a, some kind of high ranking military, military official. And he said the first thing that they do when a um, a, uh, a regime or uh, uh, forces, you know, military forces, uh, going to take a country or an island or whatever they're going to um, uh, uh, take over, is that they take over the museum. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that was just so powerful, uh, but at the same time, just scary because these are things that you know the average person doesn't even think about. Right. And uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think the history piece, just to add to you know the, the conversation, but the history the history piece is huge, and and we're, we're missing that power, and that's that's our that's where we get our power from. It's nice to know that we come from uh, a lineage of kings and queens, and you look at the uh, you know uh, I'm in so much I'm halfway in sports, you know, here and there, but but the point of it is that a lot of our you know whether it's sports, music, whatever, we're just extraordinary people. And, right. you know, to know that we come from that, you know, whether, you know, my, I'm not a musician, but, you know, I do other things. But my point is to know that we come from this lineage of people. I mean, it's just amazing. And and you hear stories of sisters and brothers who don't like their blackness. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. and, Can you really blame them? I mean, I mean, you make, it's good that you have that self-worth and that self-love. But I really worry about those people that, aren't able to look at themselves and see that sense of pride, that, that love, like, you know, for, being from Ghana, mm -hmm. you, you have that reinforced all the time, but being yeah, yeah. here in North America and in the mm -hmm. diaspora, mm -hmm. we're constantly torn down. We're constantly swimming upstream, mm -hmm. which yes, it makes us resilient and strong, but we shouldn't have to be that strong. Exactly. And um, to add to that effect as well, so me being from Ghana, I think, that is a privilege that um that I, I've been really aware of, because I think that um I, I thought I mentioned earlier it is um so blackness uh, like but giving us the identity of blackness I think that it strip that helps strip away our identity as kings and queens because um like I was, I was, I was talking about earlier when you think about it back in Africa and during the those great empires of Ghana Kush and um Timbuktu and everything. It, it was all people that looked alike and just yes. had like different ways. So, like the only dividing aspect of it was much more so the cultural tra traditions, religions, different tribes, and different ways of living. It wasn't much so whiteness or blackness. So, 
when the, the enslaved people they came and enslaved folks and brought brought them to North America, then by by basically putting everybody together and um putting everybody um as black together and just labeling everybody as black, they put a limitation as to who those kings and queens were and just like they limited that to that's black folks right there. So when when people say that it, it is a construct, yes, I could see that. However, though, it is a construct, and we're able to understand that we were kings and queens before that. But I don't think that white people are able to like un- understand. I don't think we can understand that. Mm. It's so far removed from my experience, my mm-hmm. lived experience. I, I yes, I know a brother could see me on the street and be like my queen, and it's like that's really nice. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm having a problem keeping good relationships at work. Mm-hmm. I'm having a problem raising two young black men and yeah. scared to death that the police are going to kill my children. Mm-hmm. These are not the lives of que- kings and queens. So mm-hmm. for me to believe that I'm a king and a queen, I need to have some type of reflection of that in my day-to-day experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that continues to further separate me. I don't. I just want to change gears mm-hmm. a little bit because mm-hmm. I saw that somebody was asking in the comments um, if we had seen the... Mike. Yeah, go ahead. You can take that. Yeah, so um, I think yeah, Dre brought up, he brought up the Killer Mike interview that he did with the Breakfast Club. I think Killer yeah. Mike, this guy is amazing. He is Killer a, Mike for president. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's that's my guy because I just love his mindset so much <laughs> because uh, like he speaks about something that I, I concur. It seems like during our whole struggle, like we've been waiting on him to give us the go. Yeah. to live our lives and to build. And so I think we actually, each each of and every one of us, we have the ability and, and power to actually build ourselves up. And we just wait on the system to allow us permission, which is like an enslaved mindset right there, where because we, we've been stripped away and really broken down generation after generation, it's like a learned uh, helplessness thing. Yeah. And oh my God, it's like kill them, that... Let me see. So he said, I was listening to him and then Envy. Hmm. Envy is the type to leave the hood to improve his own life. Killer Mike is looking to remain in the hood and develop it. Yes. Yes, that's exactly the distinction well, that you know, caught my eye. Go you, ahead. You know what's interesting? Um, I think, and I, I, I've seen the interview and I, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I think what's interesting is that um, for me, like I said, I, I for me personally, I, I grew up around a lot of whites. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and but it, it never stopped me, prevented me from looking back though. And, and when I say looking back, and I'm not meaning any kind of negative connotation, but still, still curious. Okay. You know, so so it never it never had taken taken that away. You know, uh, again, growing up in schools and called the N word and just you know just stuff. You know, mm-hmm. but it never taken my desire away to uh, um, to look around. And I think that, um, uh, you know, I'll just use use an example, for instance, like the movie, um, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the Pursuit of Happiness, mm-hmm. I think it's called. Yeah. You talked about that. Um, I think, is it the one oh, with no. Will Smith? Will Smith or, uh, the, no, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But, I, but I, I, I'm talking about the, the, the author, though, or the, uh, who the Chris gentleman, was it the book was about, the movie was about? Yeah, Chris Garner. Yeah, Chris Garner. Yeah, and how um, 
Um, I seen in an interview that he had done with someone, I can't remember who it was, but he, he talked about how he looked at the vehicle, you know, when uh, in a movie they show where he looked at his vehicle, he says, how did you get that? He asked this, the investor, the stockbroker. And I brought that up for a reason because I think that a lot of us as black people, uh, and, you know, we can say people in general, but I, I think primarily as black people is that, you know, if you want to change something, you have to be able to look at the very thing that's that that's that's paining you, that mm -hmm. causes you pain. Though it's hard, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's like uh, looking at someone uh, pulling. You you might be driving. You know, not you, but just in person might be driving a, a bucket of a vehicle or something like that. And obviously, that's subjective. It could, you know, that's you know very subjective. But my point is, is my point is that. If you're looking at, if you're afraid to look out the window to the car, to the left or to the right of you, see that it's a Mercedes or, you know, some kind of, a, you know, Bentley or something like that. And to, to admit to say, hey, you know what, that's nice. How would you get that? And I think that is, a, that is the very beginning of healing and realize that, hey, you know what? We have the same thing that they have. And I think for me, again, going back to always being curious is that, um, I didn't. I wasn't taught Black history in in school, but I was able to. I I remember my mom as a kid would say to me, "I would say, Mom, how do you spell such and such? Get a dictionary. That's always you. She always did. Get a dictionary. Get a dictionary. Get a dictionary." Mm -hmm. And till this day, I travel with where I've been a flight attendant in, uh, for many years. So till this day, I've always traveled with a dictionary. <laughs> always travel with a dictionary, and from that, I I uh, I write copy. I do you know I write pretty well. But my point is, is that I, I think at some point we as black people, due to the brokenness, and I, you know, absolutely, you know, because it was it was strategy, it was purposeful what they were doing. So I, I completely get that. But due to the brokenness, we stop looking out the window. We mm. stop asking questions. And when we stop asking questions, the very, uh, you know, even the Bible speaks of the very fear that we, you know, very thing that we fear had come upon us. And next thing you know, here we're falling asleep in the midst of the time when it's, you know, uh, when it was time for us to ask to ask questions. We're looking out the window, if you will. How did you get that? How did you do that? Rather, rather than I think for a lot of us asking uh, how how did you do that, we, uh, you know, we I think we 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 take on a lot of a take on a lot of stuff that our brothers that our counterparts have given us that that jealousy spirit, you know. Because mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of us as a whole as black people, we're very accommodating to each other. Hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? But the other part, that other nature is not necessarily belongs to us. It's what we've been given. And we, I think, with that, we kind of just are reluctant to look outside the window, if you will. And also, like, um, if I may add as well, because blackness has been uh, evolving um Concept. concept and like I was mentioning earlier with a conversation with my um, my friend Candace, um, I like the use of the word evolving because initially when the term blackness was it was ascribed, it was used to put us down. But if you look at what blackness is now, mm -hmm. society, blackness is cool. <laughs> like black, black so, is cool. So much so that white people want to be black. Exactly. <laughs> like, so much so that basically, uh, like in four, in four hundred years, like white might be the new black <laughs> like, <laughs> like they might want to get back to black and that that just speaks to us as a people because when you look at at the times and everything 
you can basically see how whenever whenever we are given the less of less, we take it and we make something beautiful out of it. So that even um absolutely the way, the way we cook, like our cuisines and, uh, and yeah, yes. from our features and everything. So it so it like <laughs> yes. so blackness started off as something that that was meant to degrade and 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 really like have us in a place where it's bad, and it still goes on in society today, and. The, the the thing about it, like a contrast going on, because like back in the days, you you would see a thing such as um you, you watch a show such as Roots, and mm-hmm. the narrative was about slavery and um basically like um it talked about the, the slavery narrative, and today we are at a place where we are we're basically talking about uh, Wakanda and everything. So it seems like even in the media, like visually, like blackness has had a in in a, in a, in a evolution. Sure. But but when when you but when you you pay attention auditively when it comes to the, our music, hip hop was basically like I mean, hip hop was like our, our, our favorite. Yeah, it's the mythology. Exactly. It was mythology. Yeah, yeah. To tap into to help us transform our identity and help us see ourselves in a more positive as kings and queens. Right. That was the first time that you saw what kind of happening live, mm-hmm. like it was in the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. then, but, but funny enough. If you look, listen to music now, the narrative is like it's not basically uh it's not promoting the kings and queens aspect of things. So it, there seems to be also so blackness is uh, a state of confusion. I, like I, I would say, if I dare say, like the elephant is like blackness is a big state of confusion because like once they, they give us something and we turn it good, then it's like okay, like give it back to NASA now, like like, like NASA basically is going to take over now because you guys can't handle this image mm-hmm. and you can't up. And then mm-hmm. and then when it comes to when it comes to the music side, so initially that means everything we do, like rock and roll, like like every type of music, NASA comes, NASA takes it. And so when it comes to uh, hip hop, now it's like I think we're we're at the state where NASA has come and through capitalism and everything that's taking over hip-hop so there's a, a big confusion going on between the images that we're seeing hmm. and sounds that we're, we're hearing and because those things are, are going on i think that it's causing a, a, a further um it's causing further confusion like amongst ourselves so like who, who we are so initially because blackness was not something good that you, you want to associate with you look at behaviors nowadays, and it's, it's something that human beings want to like want to the, the, um, distance themselves away from the notion of being black. You have some black people that will still tell you, "I'm not black." I just had one. <laughs> exactly. So, I had the yeah, guy. Yeah. This is not real. I'm like, really, my brother? Because you look like a black guy. <laughs> you look like what they. You look like like what they would call a black guy. Because the police right, right, right. think that you're somebody else when they tell you to put your hands up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying, yes, you can yes. Like it doesn't yeah. exist if you want. Uh, welcome, facts into the room. Um, can you all hear me? Yeah. Nice hey. to hear. Okay. Finally, sorry. Uh, no, it's all good. You don't technological have technological glitches on my side. Yeah. I, I like that you joined us, and and just so that people are aware, you can't see facts because uh, of his employment. So mm. this is a real like. It's a treat for us to have him. It's a treat for him to speak into the into <laughs> the mic. But I just want to use Dre, who was saying just prior. Um, but when it comes to blackness, the mentality of leaving the hood is is a poor mindset. Improving the black community, black communities, and still maintaining and redefining blackness should be our goal, not leaving. Mm-hmm. So getting the the L card for for wanting to leave his community and and Killer Mike is getting. 
killer Mike for yes, president yes, yes. because okay. he's trying to redefine. I think it was even Karis one who was like, um, you can leave you can you can love your your neighborhood without love and poverty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, know? absolutely. See, right? and the, a part of the difficulty there is you're talking about elevating not just yourself but everybody else's perspective around you in a community, and it's very difficult. Uh, if not impossible to do that. So we're dealing with a geography issue, right? And a proximity issue. Um, so as an example, you know, if you're, you know, the, the affluent rappers, as an example, they're probably arguably in the best position to start to having this dialogue right now mm -hmm. um, because they are so influential. And I've long said that the one currency that we have is the currency of cool, whether it be in the form of sports, entertainment, music, whatever the case may be. So when it's cool to reclaim the hood and gentrify the hood in the sense of from the context of, of in, a, in, a, in a black empowerment context, they are the best voices for that. But now let's go back to what I, I an earlier discussion. So let's imagine being Chris Gardner, who is a, you know, a quantitative guy, essentially from 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 the outside looking in, perhaps a bit of a nerd, right? Uh, he's into numbers. If when he tries to make that that push to let's say positively affect the neighborhood how is he being received hmm. how is how is he and, and these are just questions these are just rhetorical questions right how is he being received how much influence does he have right um it's 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 just food for thought because at the end of the day we can want to reclaim you know and and you know we, we've talked like for years offline um that I'm very big on communities and proximity that you can't build a community if everybody's living in different locations, right? Mm -hmm. It's a problem that is endemic in, in Toronto mm -hmm. um, specifically. And I don't know if we're talking very much about the Canadian experience specifically on this uh, podcast, but, but, okay. but you can't have a situation where you're building community and, you know, you brought a killer mic a second ago and the, 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 um, the, the first episode where he was dealing with, with, with uh, um, wanting, to buy, wanting to buy black and he couldn't. Why? Well, here's the problem is because not everybody lives. The people who are in a position to uh, uh, sort of prosper economically and support their community locally and develop community, schools, businesses and so on and so forth. Once they become affluent, what do they do? They leave. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. you can't build momentum that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that has been. So I'm just saying that all the all these factors are, are are sort of contributing factors to to keeping a people stuck. So how do you unstick it? So first thing, again, I support the business of 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 um, reclaiming the hood, right, and doing business with each other and supporting each other economically as a primary function of how we sort of take care of ourselves as a community. Yeah. Yeah. So, and maybe I want a Coca-Cola vending machine. Yeah, right. Boom, all day. Maybe one of those in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> real, real. And the funny thing too that I kind of want to tag on is because the elephant in in that in that in the room is that the reason why we want to leave is because once again, blackness. It seems like like the narrative is making it be something that you don't want to be. You don't want to be black yeah. because of that experience, the way that it's been told, is. It's supposed to be that of just hor like horrific experiences. So, so, so that's, that's, why that's mm -hmm. fair. That's fair. I just want to challenge a thought, though, right? Mm -hmm. So 
Um, so let's look at the, the sort of trajectory of somebody's life who, the, and one of the gentlemen earlier on was talking, uh, and I very much identified what he's talking about when he did bring up the business of Chris Gardner and, mm-hmm. and sort of, we have to look outside of ourselves. Which one of you gentlemen was that? I just, I, cause I couldn't see it. The time. I think it was Curtis. Yeah. Curtis. Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, the first thing that came to my mind as we were talking about that was, was about ego and selflessness. Mm-hmm. When you said that Chris had brought up the business of speaking to the, to the stockbroker, hey man, what is that you have? You know, mm-hmm. I want, how, more importantly, how did you get that? Right, right. Right. If you're in a state of ego and if you're in a state of envy, you're just like, yo, <clears throat> I want that. Exactly. Right. I'm not talking to you. I'm not okay. going to converse with you to try and build something with yes, your final and grimy. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to come on a grimy thing now, and I just want to get that Chris car that you got. Yeah. Very different. Very different energy mm-hmm. than... So, okay, so let's let's put that in a bucket for a second. So now, let's talk about not wanting to live around other Black people. So these are conversations I have with a lot of people, and this mm-hmm. is some of the feedback I get. I don't want to live in a neighborhood where guys are driving down the street with their music blurring loud, I've been told. I don't want to live in a community where there's a certain, uh, you know, maybe the, the, the boys are hanging out on the street corner and, you know, not conducting themselves properly, right? So these are some of the complaints from within the Black community about being in the Black community. So how do we deal with that now? Because we have a perception issue, not externally, that doesn't matter to me, but internally, how we perceive ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So, so, so we can't even arrive at you know, you know. Let's let's think about what gentrification means and about reclaiming the hood and about you know because if anything you know, I've I've spoken quite a bit about you know we've talked offline a lot about, um, uh, um, you know, perception. Mm-hmm. So what how how does that factor in? So I'm going to throw that to you guys just as a question as a listener and mm-hmm. participant. You know, we want to reclaim the hood and we want everybody to live close together, but how do we do that and make everybody comfortable? Because there has to be community standards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So- I, 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 think, I think, you know, as part of that, as part of that perception that's, um, that's been established uh, in regards to how Black folks see themselves, it's been established by the media. And, uh, I'm sorry, one second. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. All right. But yeah, I, I think that the um, uh, what's been established um, for Black people um, is um, uh, essentially what the media has, uh, you know, what has been played out in the media. And I, I really, I don't know if any of you follow um, Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, yeah, um, and I, you know, he's written a book on uh, uh, the power of economics. Power of economics. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, yeah, he talked about the, uh, uh, you know, the different pillar, the pillars of, um, of economics. And one of the pillars, um, you know, or a couple of them is uh, called uh, critical. Uh, and then also he talks about the media. And um, I think that media is huge, and I, I think we, we forget we forget how uh, back you know a lot of us uh, back in the '60s, um, where they had these horrific images where the dogs were being sick on us as on the black folks, and they were being sprayed down with water hoses like we were just something so awful. And yet 
um, you know, these images, uh, these things that we see, uh, or the, the, the entire world has seen, they have played a huge part in how we see ourselves. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's been the, uh, it, it's been the uh, uh, predominantly, our, I guess, our, our counterparts have been, uh, that have been telling our history. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, how the gentleman as a flight attendant, I was working on aircraft and the gentleman said that, uh, that the military would first take over the, the museum. And so for the fact that, you know, uh, our museum his, histori uh, uh, historically, it has been essentially taken over and we've had someone else telling our story for so long. And I think now, you know, uh, uh, the gentleman, what's his name? Um, Big Mike? Yeah, Mike. Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, how he he gets it and so many other brothers and sisters, you know, us, the four of us uh, that are in the window or the five of us that's in this window here, we're getting it. But like uh, I think uh, the gentleman said it was the elephant in the room. I don't know your real name, but Buggy. how. <laughs> that's your oh. real name. <laughs> yeah, it is. Buggy, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll stick with elephant in the room for now until I can figure, <laughs> out, how to, figure out how to pronounce that one. But uh, uh, in any event, uh, just how you were saying earlier is that we are evolving. The blackness is evolving. And because it's evolving, we're finally coming into, I, I like to say, the, the, uh, the sleeping giant is awaking. Yes. You know, and I, I think we've always been, um, we've all been always been awesome. But we, you know, that because someone has had uh, been pulling the strings, if you will, been telling our story, been giving us a little bit, a little bit of our story, if you will, we would go on, on we would accept that and run with it, and then say, wait a minute, I need the rest of the story. You know, as my mom would say to me as a kid, uh, Curtis, you know, you have to remember, don't you know, stop breaking your plate after you eat. Mm. You know, just what mom would always say to me. And, and I, you know, I take that till, I mean, this is as a kid, but I take that even now as an adult, I think we as, we as black people, we have to stop breaking our plate after we eat and know that there's more to the story. Mm -hmm. uh, know that we can, we can truly get our full on. I mean, truly this, the sky is the limit brothers and sisters, man. I'm, that's like, man, I'm just, even now I'm just like getting excited, man. The sky is a limit, man. It's just like, there's nothing that we cannot do as a people, man, because I, uh, uh, my, again, my former job was a flight attendant. So I've had to make a transition uh, into a space where I was kind of touched here and there with it. And that is the digital space. But mm -hmm. I've been in a digital space now for what, about seven, eight years. I've learned everything I need to learn online. Asking mm. questions, looking at videos, and you know, uh, learn how to run a mixer. A mixer, where at one time was as 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 foreign as uh, trying to uh, uh, split an atom, you know. <laughs> but now, you know, just through just through what other people are sharing, and 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 you know, they a lot of the people happen to be white. They happen to be black people. Happen to be of all races, but nevertheless, the information people like to share, and so. We can, you can come up on that alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's just that's just my you know my 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 spin on it. Uh, I just, I, uh, real real quick, I just want to say facts. Uh, if you uh, log off and then come back in, you'll be probably unmuted. Just uh, just leave and then come right back. Go ahead. And so so like uh, that's the interesting thing too because like I guess the elephant in the room that I'm noticing. Can you guys hear me? Is, yeah, oh, there, there, you go. Go. there you go. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. 
So um, the, the elephant in the, in, the, in the room that I'm noticing, because once again, like I'm, I'm sticking to the point of blackness. I, like the more and more we have this conversation, the more I'm, I, I'm actually seeing the point of it being um, a construct. Because once again, it, it's a cap. It seems like it's a capitalistic um, construct because whenever blackness makes money, then basically it's it vacated. And I see myself as to before when um, our features used to be mocked and shamed and basically nobody wanted that but now they basically took it to a different place where it's a beautiful thing on us that people are, are making money from that people that are not basically like um melanated or whatnot mm-hmm. they're making money from black, like um, features that were ascribed to blackness only so now what now basically occurs is that it's something where if we're not careful that within i'd say the next 400 years white probably will be the new black because like 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 if you notice prior to the enslavement like so like prior to enslavement basically there, there were not there were no race um divide like that white and black so there was culture and uh, religion and, and amongst other like, other things the way of living so when I say white is going to become the new black, is by adopting the ways of living. So basically, whether it be the features, music that people listen to, by assimilating and like appropriating like those people culture, then you you you, you, become, you assume the behaviors that makes you that makes a person quote unquote black. Because even when you look at language, like a person could be speaking black or a person could be speaking white. Like, hello there, how do you do? And everything's all dandy. Or basically, yo, my name is Jamal. I'm from like that is basically traits that are attributed to blackness and whiteness. So the more we like you know, like exactly <laughs> I mean for me personally, I'm having an experience where I was talking to somebody on the was it you? I think I was driving to work mm-hmm. and work is becoming increasingly more difficult for me mm-hmm. these days. Um, and being black seems to really hurt. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, not wanting to be black, I don't want the, that kind of black experience anymore. I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really tired. And I feel like I'm suffering the most at the hands of other people that look like me. Um, when I think about that boxer, what's the boxer's name? Deontay Wilder. When he was yelling and screaming at that other black reporter about what you mean, your people too. What do you mean, your people too? Like, I just felt like all of the rage that was inside of me was just right there on the screen, encapsulated in how this man was talking. Because who is this black man asking him what he's talking about? Does he really not know what he's talking about? Right, right, right. And so in an institution like the University of Toronto, where I work, it's great that you might place um, place a black supervisor above me. But um, when that person has bought in to what the institution represents and then starts to police me and discriminate me almost worse than my own yes, colonizer. Yes. Yeah, I just feel like really frustrated and it, every it, it's already hard to wake up and and just be all as it is, but they are putting another layer of complexity to my life 
that is not welcomed here. Well, you you, you know, um, you they have a, this old saying that every brother is not your brother, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so that's why I, you know we used to get real excited. We used to get real excited when somebody black would get a position that normally black people don't get and stuff. Yeah. But my yeah. thing is this is if they have the same mentality of people who oppress you and they're cho- what they call them chocolate covered Europeans in men- in mentality <laughs> then European so it doesn't even matter sometimes they're worse because they're mm-hmm. hard because then they get away with it because they have the same skin color as you mm-hmm. so it's all about the mentality. I, it was yeah. it was interesting. I was listening to you guys speak, and you were talking about this idea of moving out your neighborhood and all of that stuff. And my thing is this: is we have to redefine in our community what is success. Yeah. Success isn't just that. If my if my son if I have a child, I don't have no children, but if I had a son, and my son becomes a doctor, but his mentality is of a coon, that's not a successful. <laughs> that's not success. You know what I mean? I'd rather him be a janitor, but his mind be right. You know what I'm saying? And I think in our mind is if we if if we make a lot of money, if we do all these things that are you know that are are great on paper. You know, like he makes a lot of money, or she makes a lot of money, but they have a mentality that's that is horrible. Then right. that's not a successful person. So we need to redefine in our community what is success. Because a lot of times you'll be talking about somebody who is doing something that that is deplorable, but then they'll say, "But he make money though. Yeah. He making that bag." As if. Yeah. yeah, like you know, it's like she could she uh, he could be a drug dealer, but he making that paper though. And we got to get rid of that mentality. Seven baby moms. What's that? Right. I, I think. I, I think uh, you know I can absolutely agree with uh, Kente, uh, Kente uh, but I, I think I go back to what I was saying earlier. How important how important it is to know who we were, who we are as Black people prior to slavery. Yes. Because again, uh, it, it, it's the history that's been locked up. It's the history that has been uh, um, uh, you know that's uh, that's been confiscated, if you will, and there. They're sharing with us a, a, a little bit at a time, and you know, from my in my personal time with God, I was just like, Lord God, what is it? How is it that a a uh, uh, how is it a group of people, you know, being black people, could be hated so much? Mm-hmm. And you know, what, what what is behind it? And this is and this is my conversation with God, and so it led me to it, it led me to again looking outside the window. Yes. You know, uh, it, it led me to uh, looking around me because, you know, like Kente said, is that just because just because they they're black or in and uh, what's your name, Sister? I'm sorry. Oh, me, L.A. Oh, LA. just like L.A. was saying a moment ago, is that it becomes increasingly hard, you know, especially you got somebody above you who's black and and they're kind of essentially been sent in to kind of just kind of make sure the that the herd don't get away, if you will. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of corral us in, but my my point my point is that history is always a factor. It's what you learn, and it's what's it's what we don't know. And if we could if if if, if we could go back to prehistory and look, uh, not prehistory, but but uh, pre-slavery. I'm sorry, 
And we can go back to pre-slavery where the blacks were the kings and queens, and we still are. Ooh, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. We still are. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm sorry, I had, to, had, to, had to come out. It's okay, we, the Holy Ghost doesn't discriminate. We still are kings and queens, but I, I, I think that, again, history and educating ourselves, we, we, we have to come to a place that we don't want to hear. Yes, I know slavery is an important issue. That's important. But I need to know why is it that you hate me so much? You hate well, me so much. Can, can, can I throw something out there? Oh, yeah, yeah, What's up, friend? I just want to say something. Go yeah. ahead. All right. I don't, maybe I'm a little bit too militant, right? But I'm just mm -hmm. going to call it what it is. Yeah. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I just care about me and my people and if we're all right. Mm -hmm. and, and this is just me, okay? I'm with you. The hate, I, I will express this. Mm -hmm. Slavery was an economic construct. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Racism is a social construct sure. designed to mask the true intention, which is economics. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it is cheaper to pay you nothing than to pay a white guy. Right. Quite, quite frankly, slavery hurt everybody. Right. Not equally, but certainly if I was a white laborer who's just trying to get on, I can't get that job. Mm -hmm. Right. Why? Because a black person can do it for free. Okay? <laughs> so there was an economic benefit to slavery. And again, we have to contextualize it. We're going to have mm -hmm. to look at South America as a very different animal and more similar to the Caribbean and a very different animal than what it was in America. And let's be honest, until 1834 in Canada, we had slavery here, too, generally amongst Aboriginal people, but certainly blacks as well. So there is you have to look at things in the proper context, but ultimately, regardless of it, at the end of the day, it was always an economic construct. So that we're hated is a side issue. I don't care if you hate me, right? I just care if you're an impediment to me getting the life I want, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm also concerned about, so as you know, so if, the, if, the, if the label of this conversation is about defining blackness and speaking about, about blackness, we have, I, I was the, uh, you know, Mike had brought up earlier on, or I, I'm throwing out names and I don't even know what I'm sure oh, throwing yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> But M Boogie, let's call you that. How about that? Hey. <laughs> if, 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 you know, you, you brought up the whole business about um, blackness and whiteness in the context of, 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 of language and sort of how one speaks, you know. So yeah. I used to always get that one. Yeah. Oh, you, you're acting white. You're talking white. This, no, it's mm -hmm. like, no, I just like, I just like English since that's the language that I'm kind of learning right now. So I speak it. Right. And if you have a problem with that or if you define that as being racialized, you know, it, it's as silly as saying that if if somebody were, you know, a a a, a, uh, a Caucasian or European individual were to speak an African dialect, which does mm. happen wherever mm. they are on the continent, that suddenly that that now makes them black. No, my my racial or phenotypal uh, uh, or phenotypical uh, uh, definition is completely mm. different than mm. the language that I speak. Right mm. now, where am I going with this? Yes, where are you going with it? Watch yeah, this. Right. Watch this. I'm going to summarize this real quick. Yes. So if we're looking at things from, uh, so first thing is first, is that you were at something that was economically convenient, right? We were, it was economically convenient to keep us in a certain place. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Our battle, therefore, has to be what? On many levels, economic. Sure. Because at the end of the day, like, so we are looking for respect when in fact respect comes with money. And how do I know this? 
And when I say money, I mean communal money. So communal economic. That's why mm -hmm. I do love the Killer Mike show because he gets to the heart of the issue, which is we don't have you could. I've never seen to this day, and I don't want to you know belabor the point about celebrating other communities, but I have to this day not seen a Asian or Jewish march on anything. Yet, I see 1% of the global population, which is the Jewish people, who mm -hmm. control a vast amount of the world's wealth, they may not like that. They may, that may, you know, people were talking about conspiracy theories and, you know, elders of Zion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just looking at the facts. All right. Elders of Zion. You no, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. Cause some people That's may like, Oh my God, people may hear this show and be like, Oh, it's anti-Semitic because he just stated a simple fact that, and in fact, it should be taken as a compliment. Look at Jay-Z. He just got, he just got heat because, or no, it wasn't Jay-Z. Yeah, it was Jay-Z. Was it Jay-Z? Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and, had, and LeBron James too. And LeBron James, yeah. He's getting heat for stating a fact. Like, what are we talking about here? We're being silly. I'm not, I'm not saying that all people that are of Jewish descent control all the money or there's a worldwide plot, but I'm stating a fact. You have 1% of the world's population that if I were to look at from uh, academia, business, entertainment, and so on and so forth, they have high ranks in those industries. That's something something to be ashamed of, and, and I don't want to be labeled as such. And they've, and they've done this uh, was so brilliant, too. And then when you point out something that's totally visually obvious, they they do this uh, Jedi mind trick. They say, "No, it's not true. It's not it's true." Not true. And it's like, but it is I'm true. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it's and it, and it's and there's nothing wrong with it. And and you should be comfortable with that, right? right? And I'm not I'm not ascribing to them a plot to take over the world. But let's keep it real. Like it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Now, and it's the same. But again, same thing with the Chinese community, right? I'm not I'm not seeing out them out here marching. I just see them out here buying up Markham. So I don't know. <laughs> let's. Let's keep it focused for a minute, right? So now I just so that's my first thing is, is the economic import the importance of viewing things from a, a communal economic standpoint. The second thing, to what you're saying, you know, um, you you were talking about history, I think, a second ago, uh, Curtis. Yes, you I know, did. absolutely. Like, I mean, here's the thing, though, right? And, and and I've I've often heard these terms like our history has been hidden from us and our and so on and so forth. And I hear that, and that is very true. However, whose job is it to fix that? Us. Thank absolutely you. absolutely so, so and i'm not saying that you said otherwise but i just want to make that a state that for the record sure. because i think sometimes a lot of like I, I was somebody who they were setting up a school here in in, in toronto and i wasn't i wasn't here at the time they were setting up a school here uh for uh, that was going to be under the under the uh sort of the the, the guys or the the control rather of the tdsb in toronto and it was all, and it was, you know, a, a black school. And I'm like, wait a second. At what point does your adversary slash oppressor create something for you? What are we doing here? Create your own. Yeah. Fund it yourself. And I had, you know, I, I, I was like, here, I got 10 G's. Who's with me? I was on all over social media. No one. I think I got one person who responded who said that they had five G's to help. I can't create a school on 15 G's. But the biggest thing is that the biggest thing, family, is the mindset that you would think that's okay. Because today it may be okay and the curriculum's okay, but let's fast forward 15 years. What are they teaching them? Exactly. And that's that's the main thing that I got from the Mike um, documentary. So, like, when he, he basically was trying to buy black, the thing that was very flagrant about that is the fact that we don't own nothing. And yes. So, so basically, so, exactly. So, so what that means is that, it, like, as in past conversations, we have to then now empower our children with, with, with basically the knowledge to want to own things yes. and not be owned. So that was the, the, the main thing that was sticking out. And the thing that I kind of want to really touch on again is 
there seems to be they reach like um, a description that's fitting for black because when you sit back and you just look at the word black, is I see this language is very important and it's yes. very um, there's like there's, there's a lot of things so white and black so black is be black so basically like, that means that you are being ascribed to black. Everyone, Canada has free weed. You can like you can smoke weed here freely. Clearly, Michael is on the deepest level here. He's I'm breaking this shit down for y'all. Letters. <laughs> but honestly, honestly, but like speaking, so um, be lack because I see that is a, a construct that was given to like, like a group of people that were kings and it will be coming here. So the thing is that when you you look at roots that 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 show. The, the part that I used to kind of basically um, bring my point is when he had to break him yeah, from Toby, mm -hmm. from Kunta Kente to, be, to, to becoming Toby. Yeah. So he's basically telling mm -hmm. he lacked, to, to basically lack his identity. Right. Right mm -hmm. was like, right. But I mean, so it was like, like language is very important. Like, and we're speaking yeah. that English language. So, so we, we were basically enslaved and, and brought here and given a different language, but you don't understand what you're speaking properly, like the, like the mm -hmm. actual group of words. So like, like when like the reason why people like everything that's associated with blackness is basically like bad is because they're telling you that you're going to be lacking. So it's like we're, and us we're fighting so hard to make it work, and it shows to be like it shows us our behaviors and like our um, resilience and strength as people. Now, when it comes to basically when it comes to um when it comes to basically like us as humans, like the reason why you see some be black people like um like having european tendencies is because you got to find a tribe it's, it's a mindset rather it, it goes beyond the skin at times even though they've grouped us as basically as, as skin colors this is where like i'm coming to understand some people have your skin color but like like what's the pain of lace skin? my skin folk ain't my kin folk and see like that it it, it it plays way back into um back into the days when like our ancestors were back in africa because back then it used to be tribalism that that was like the deciding factor between like to divide us. So they understand that, and 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 coming here and like basically stripping that away from those folks and be giving them like a new identity as you will be like all you guys, you guys are gonna lack. Like they're going to know how to work certain groups of people, certain mindsets, certain tribes as to what they want. And over, like, over here is like money, capitalism has been the main driving factor. Mm -hmm. Like it's very deeply rooted. Back in Africa, like we we are very we have a lot of resources and stuff. We have gold, diamonds, and whatnot. And these are things that, as a man or as a human being, we are attracted to these things. So, go ahead. Go ahead. So basically, we're attracted to these things. And so nowadays, like we are so focused nowadays that we've been introduced like a new type of gold, and it's uh, capitalism, money. Go, 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 grind for that money, get that paper. But along the way, a lot of people kind of lose themselves as to who they are as, as people because you're trying to be, get that money to survive. You're trying to, be, to get a lot of it. It's like a, it's like a longer stripping that of uh, the identity. Is they, they they gave us basically like something to strive for as well, and we, we, we didn't start off at the same leg as them. So let me ask you, so Mike, yeah. can I throw a question out at you or just a thought? So, yeah. so yes, certainly, you know, uh, uh, I was actually just listening to uh, um, the, um, I think it was a, the Martin Luther King ceremony for, uh, in, in Washington, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was talking. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so she was making some comments about 
capitalism and socialism and so on and so forth and economic fairness and whatnot. My mm-hmm. question is fairness. Mm-hmm. Like, so we have a, so capitalism is not, is, is inherently unfair. It's, it's born from mercantilism, which is definitely yeah. about going and robbing and taking resources yeah, from other nations to benefit the mother country, right? Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. always invariably European. My mm-hmm. question for you is, given that we've now, we're in this system now, and, I'm, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I always like to look at things yeah, from the yeah. viewpoint of other groups. It's not just about us. We're all in this system together, right? Yeah. And so then I, I can't change what I'm in. I can only change my perceptions of it, right? Until I can get to the point where I can change it. Right. So it's, okay, it's sort yeah. of like a, a two, a, stu, a two step process. You can't change it until you're in it. Kind of like Neo in the matrix. Right. Mm. So my question for you is, okay, so we've inherited this system that we're in. Yes. We were, we were in fact, when you talk about capitalism, we, we're more intimately connected to it, arguably than any other group in yeah. the sense that we have literally been physical capital as a, yes. as a group of people, our, our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the system was designed to create uh, um, asymmetric profit based on our labor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then, my so then, how do we? So do we do we reject that system? Because I find a lot of there's there's I sort of see two camps. Like I see there's a camp of, of black people who have sort of a socialist bent, where they're like they want mm-hmm. equality and justice and so on and so forth, and that's more like okay, we're going to demand that the system sort of respond to us. And then there's mm-hmm. another school of 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 thought that are definitely capitalists and i'm thinking again a lot about celebrities and so on and so forth who mm-hmm. have done economically they said okay if this is the, the 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 board game you're giving me i'll play it and i'll master it right mm-hmm. but what i do with it now is going to be totally different than what you think right mm-hmm. so so is there is is yes i guess where, where do you view <laughs> where do you view us in, in, in this discussion of blackness how, how do you how do you sort of see that manifesting with these two different ideas and 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 where's the conflict there how do you bring them together is there a way to bring them together so it was like um for me i actually go to the killer mike interview the part where he was talking with dj envy mm-hmm. and the there's a part where he was um, going at it with dj envy and um killer Mike's point if i remember correctly he was talking about a, a, a communal living like so a way of basically like us living together uh-huh. For me, how I see it, honestly, and being African as well, that what I've what I've witnessed, like uh, being African, and also from stories that I hear about Caribbeans, is there's a sense of community. Whereas to um, let's say if it's a person like a person who, who's not capitally like um, like doesn't have a lot of capital, mm-hmm. they they might not like go hungry or not have a place to stay. They can have a place to stay, get food or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so that type of system. It does exist. So now that I mean, like, what can you do? Like, what what can I do? Like, like this kind of basically going back to the old financial system that used to exist before, like, like the current one is like, what can you do that 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 you could bring to the table? Now, mm. us as basically like as black people now, <laughs> like we, have, I'll be saying it like that whole time, black. But um, <laughs> us, and nobody's gonna want to say they're black after exactly, that. Exactly, right? Because you don't want to like. I'm not black. But. Not <laughs> But but the thing is, other people that like, in being here, we have acquired knowledge on how they build their system as well. And and I believe that, like, so what black is going to look like in in the future, or what us as people are going to look like, what Africans are going to look like in the future, mm-hmm. that with this knowledge that we we're able to see from them, we have professionals, we have um, people that are professors, 
you have administrators, you have uh, athletes, you have people that, that can do all sorts of professions. Mm. So if we come together, like, like, like I think we talked about it, proximity, if we basically like, find people that, that look like us mm-hmm. and we, we see what we each bring to the table, I think by focusing on basically like what we could give each other, right away, it, it cuts a lot of what we need from them out of the, like, the picture. So, so we should like right there and there. No, I was just Pro- provide for so. What you're talking about makes me think. You know, are we all going towards the same goal? No, I saw. Right. <laughs> clearly, we're not all going towards the same goal. Yeah, um, right. right. Socioeconomic status has a lot to do with that, but at the same time, the educational part of that socioeconomic status is to teach you how to be like our oppressor. Yes. So. If we are trying to decolonize our minds, then what does that look like once it's done? What Can are I, we what are we decolonizing to? Drum roll, uh, please. <laughs> throw something at you. All right. So first of all, you you come now to the whole thing. So let's go back again to Curtis. What he's talking about with history, and we're talking about schools, and we're talking about economics. Every and Mike said it, and Boogie said it quite right. <laughs> right which is this business of what are we teaching our children? There is, I, I wanna say something. There has never been a revolution that never concerned itself with children. Hitler had Hitler youth for a reason. When you look at the communist man- manifesto and sort of the way that that was, was developed and marketed, it's, everything is a marketing scheme, right? At the end of the day, we have a narrative. Whatever your narrative is, you're gonna popularize it, especially among the young people. Why? Because that has to have life for the next 20 years in order to really hold weight. The adults, they may or may not want to participate, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have revolution, what has happened? Let's look at history. In the communist revolution, the Bolshevik revolution, you kill the adults, you keep the young people, you educate the young and indoctrinate them. And then what mm-hmm. ends up happening? It manifests for the next 20 to 40 years. And so mm-hmm. that gives us some life. We're trying to, in some way, create a revolution, but it's more of an evolution of a people that's peaceful and global disparate groups, disparate languages, disparate cultures under the one thing, which is that we all have this same melanin, right? Mm -hmm. And we all have this shared history. So my question is, okay, so then how do we, to what you said, so we're we're not all, we're not all singing from the same hymn book. I didn't even bring up the whole business of religion. All right. So how do you do this? How does that manifest? Well, what, whatever you're teaching your children is going to manifest in the next 20 years. Are your children doing business with each other, meaning that they are regularly meeting other children that look like them in a supportive environment? I'm not talking about Sunday school or in a religious context, but I'm because that does happen every Sunday. But I'm and not just at school, but in another context that says you are greatness. This is your history. This is what you're here to celebrate. And this is the mission. Where are we giving them the mission? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw something at you. There's a quote from John Henry Clark, who's, you know, my father, right? And not, li- not literal, but spiritual father. Like I grew up listening to this man. And he said here, you know, to what you're talking about with socialism, uh, in these African communal societies, and he's just talking about, he was sort of, as he became, as he began studying African history and, and, and different cultures, and he realized that there was a commonality to what you were saying, M. Boogie, about the business of supporting each other. He started to see that was a thing everywhere on the continent. He said, in these African communal societies where each got according to his needs, were not accepted, were not copied uh, from Europe because they existed before there was a Europe. Mm. 
-hmm. In these societies, based on the concept of the family and the community, everyone in the society had a responsibility. Big word for me. In these societies, there was no word for jail because no one had ever gone to one. Yep. No word for orphanage because no one had ever thrown out any children. Mm -hmm. No word for old folks home because no one would ever have thrown away grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. So we already have our answers. It's who we, we are the answer we're looking for, as they say, yeah? Mm -hmm. And my thing is our deeper values, our deeper respect for ancestors, regardless of whether you're coming from Christian or Santeria Obia, I don't care where you are in the religious spectrum. <laughs> or atheist no but i'm yeah. saying that is something that is that's facts yeah that's deeply in us that we have a deep respect for our ancestors right that's mm -hmm. cultural right that's in the dna of an african person so i don't you know again you can take it to either extreme but we have to give that life we can't keep walking away from who we are and we certainly can't wear this other guy's clothes so to mm -hmm. me i say to the european thank you very much for the lesson learned this past 400 years has been very interesting <laughs> Okay. However, however, I think I want to tell a slightly different tale for the next 400. I'll mm -hmm. start with my kids. And oh. what I'm going to tell them is my own narrative about their ancestors and how they have to make them proud and how, and how, and how, and then, and you know, how you must support your community economically, what that looks like and so on and so forth. If we don't do that, because right now we have other options. Mm -hmm. We got you can let the rap industry teach your kids what to do and and they will be doing that anyways mm -hmm. okay and it's not all going to be jay-z with 444 it's not mm -hmm. going to be that, right <laughs> it's going to be and i had this conversation earlier on today which was the, the 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 conflict in the rap community is on one side it's i want to bay up and babe up with my homie and on the next side i want to kill everybody in the neighborhood that's that's a recipe for for genocide so, mm -hmm. and I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, you know people say, oh, are you being homophobic? No, 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 no. I'm just being honest here. Let's look at it for what it is. It's either I want to bay up with all my homies or I want to mm -hmm. kill everybody that looks like me. Please show me how that's supposed to be supportive of black families and black economic mm -hmm. uh, 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 upliftment. Please. And if then you you have, you're right. You have to look at like the powers that be that that's pushing that. So th there's a lot of at, at play here. That's why I also like the question that, that um. Yeah, I ask as well, how will blackness look like in uh, 400 years? Will there be a, a blackness in 400 years? And I mean, like for me, I, I, I say that um, when I said the white, white is a new black, that is basically like, just look at society, what is going on? Just um, the mm -hmm. roles and, and the roles that basically like were generally attributed to one group, it's, it seems to be kind of shifting. And along with that, the, 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 to our conversation from last week, there seems to be this great gender divide that's going on. So if there is a, a gender divide that has been implemented within our mindsets, then like, if we're not together, there won't, they, they most likely will not be black people in 400 years from now. And basically that's when, when white is new black, that's when reparations will, will occur. Then, hey, let's spit out those poor black people for like what they've suffered. Let's that, that's already happened. There was. Oh, yeah. Yo, you hear about the guy, this white man, who said he is born again African, African. and he mm -hmm. applied for money that 500, was $500,000 as designated to a black man, <laughs> and he got it. Mm -hmm. so and you're going to hear more of these stupid stories. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because there's trans everything. 
Mm-hmm. Like you can be whatever. I saw a white man saying that he was uh, a Filipino, Filipino. woman. <laughs> so it, it's almost like it's it's um it's a mockery. It's mockery. So that's when you have to look at the word. Curtis, so we'll get you the blessing. You have to look at the word black, white, and everything. Those labels that they, they, they slap. They're just showing you how that could be just wiped off and changed like that. You know what? I'm trans this. I'm because I'm feeling this way. I am beyond this now. So Can that, I say something? That's that, been the whole agenda of this intersectionality, a word I strongly resist. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who's offended or pissed off. I'm going to say something. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you, why is that offensive? Why is it Let me explain. Let me explain something to you. Every, in my opinion, this, mm-hmm. again, this is only my opinions. Mm-hmm. All right. Intersectionality essentially has become a, 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 uh, a ghettoization of oppressed groups against a singular oppressor, which is the heterosexual white male. Everybody has beef with him. Okay. Now, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one. But here's the problem. My issues are very different than that guy's issues or her issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there may be some commonality there, but I have a specific economic issue that needs redress. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the problem is that it ends up diluting my issue Absolutely. Amongst other issues, because Absolutely. it now is become part of a collective moaning and groaning against heterosexual white males, which Absolutely. does what? It creates now an environment where you do get the Trumps and the Fords and the rest of it, because there's a backlash, rightfully so. Because if I was a heterosexual white male who was ignorant in, in my ways, I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I'm just being attacked by all these groups. It's just like, well, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just born with a penis and a little less mental. And what, what's, what's going on out here? Right. Don't so I'd be I'd be kind of pissed off myself. Right? <laughs> straight straight up. You know, it, there's there's no white child that was born today. That's, that's what God that's damn. What, I can't wait to be an oppressor. It, it doesn't work. That, 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 that's, that's the same thing that Dr. Clark Anderson was saying is what you just said. Um, uh, facts. Yeah. Uh, he said the same thing you said um, that uh, these different groups, you know, um, uh, even for the women who are considered uh, minorities, white women, I should say. Yeah. The minorities, all of these different uh, uh, groups that are broken up, they're transsexual or trans, whoever, whoever they yeah, are, yeah, yeah. they eventually, uh, uh, as our facts have mentioned, break away or at least uh, dilute the whole, you know, this, let's just say this, this pie or this, this, whatever the, the, the funding that was supposed to go to certain groups or uh, oppressed groups and things of that nature. So he, he mentioned the same thing. But I want to go back to kind of my comment, and I, I've, been, I've been saying kind of the whole time I've here, been here is that um, history. I think that whether we're going to uh, uh, whether we're, whether we're going to buy up our uh, our community, whether we're going to uh, know what direction we need to go uh, when we do get the money or take hold of the capital, I'm going to always, for me personally, just my view, always going to go back to history because again, for me. Looking at this, looking at my situation right now uh, in this space uh, of working online, being in a digital space, I don't know anybody in this space. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. my point is to bring that up is that I've had to learn from other people mm-hmm. in this space. And how much more if we understood, again, pre-slavery, going back to where blacks were had universities, had uh, countries, owned entire countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we, if we can study them much in the same, because uh, up, up to this point we don't have it. We don't. I mean, we've we've had what? I mean, I guess it depends on who, who you idolize. But Jesse Jackson, a few other people, Martin Luther King, uh, uh, 
uh, Malcolm X, uh, uh, Louis uh, Farrakhan. We've had icons like that. And I have nothing against them, but even on a greater level, even on a greater level, and I said earlier, uh, my my conversation with God was, well, God, how? Why is it that they hate us? Not that I care. Fair, fair. Oh, let, me, let me. I just want to clarify that. Not that I care whether they hate me. That's not my business. Okay, but I needed to know how to. I needed to know why they hated me, so that that why was the empowerment that I needed. Mm. That why is the thing that empowers me, and without the power, you can't do anything. You can't. You, you when you get the money. Uh, or not just uh, speaking in general, when we get the money, we'll buy tennis shoes, we'll buy, uh, try to try to buy lunch for everybody, and you know, try, you know, all this ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not buying up the cities, but the only way I can know what my, I, for me uh, 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 personally, I didn't grow up with my biological father, okay? Mm-hmm. But even though I didn't grow up with my bi- biological father, I know that there are brothers out there, brothers and sisters out there that I can learn from by studying them, looking, reading history, learning from them. Now that I've been, uh, uh, now I think, uh, or as as black people, we have been, uh, I, I think for a reason, God has allowed this, mm-hmm. that we may learn from the oppressor. Mm-hmm. But that we also need history, that we may learn that we were kings and queens, and then take that information, couple together, and we can get out of it. We can change it. And you know what? It's actually, I'm t- like tag along with what you're saying. I guess it, when you bring the God aspect into it too, like I can, um, I can see what you're saying in a sense where learn from your oppressors. And I think African, African, like um, Americans that are that are here and African Caribbeans, I find that by them, by us being here together now, it gives us uh, a place of commonality where um, we can basically come together and create a new narrative. Because yes. Because if you basically, if you're being real, let's say we, so we, we come together and we basically um, overcome, we shall overcome, we overcome. Then basically like, what happens next? Because like there becomes an issue of like uh, finding the tribe because that uh, you mentioned, you, you, you like basically the things in the IT field and whatnot. And some people will have divergent views. So with that mindset, we have to also foreplan as to what is going to happen after like the great black revolution, we, we, we basically come back. What is, what is the aftermath? What is going to occur? And, and I think um, for me personally, I believe that uh, the people in, in, in um, North America and Caribbean blacks should basically be able to still be over here in North America and, and not everybody move back to Africa. I mean, it could be considered Africa, but it gives us much more of an economic advantage and strength if we have access to Jamaica, like the Caribbean, and like, and listen, we stay where we are, but just basically, like, uh, to fact's point, work our proximity to our, our advantage. Basically, work amongst our, ourselves and build ourselves up, and then basically create like an uh, economic, um, strong, like, stronghold like that. Because right now, like, we, blackness, mm. blackness is losing, and I, I don't. I don't want to say that we are not black because that's like that's a label that they've attached to us. We are kings and queens. I'm before. There you go. I'm 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 I'm, be, I'm, be, I'm beautiful. Be, I'm, I'm, <laughs> and, and and so like I think that what you call is like getting back to that narrative of kings and queens, 
what that basically does for us is that it allows us to see where we want to be at and, and and along with that too like uh, the facts points teaching our children how we would like for them to live so what is, what is it that they child like what tools are you giving yourself to be a owner or be you know to hold something substance in like the years to come that is what we focus on to, to to your point further is that if we recognize that we were kings and queens again this is what the fools have been teaching us slavery 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 that's all we hear <clears throat> excuse me and unless you've been rolled in uh secondary education or a, a, a college level, you may hear obviously something different. I would hope so. But my point of it is that up to a point, most most black people, at least in the states that I should would, would suspect, is that they've heard slavery, slavery, slavery. But just think, if we knew who we were post-slavery, we would talk to our, man, I'm trying to tell you, man, we would talk to our children differently. But, but, and I agree with you. Can I can I throw something at y'all? Because I just want to say something. I read a book many years ago called um, "The Rescue of Jerusalem." Highly recommended. I tell everybody. I I cried after I read. What, what's what's the name of it? The book is called "The Rescue of Jerusalem," and I'll tell you a sad story. It's written by a guy who a a white gentleman. He was a um, a journalist at the Montreal Gazette. Had adopted a a, a black child, and he did what he wanted to do for all of his kids because he had uh, kids previously and he wanted to find heroes that look like his child and he couldn't so he goes on this journey to sort of untangle well where are the black people in history and he runs into the same thing you're talking about there right now curtis which is the slavery 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 and he's like well there's a little bit of history here so who are these people he begins to to research and finds out that uh, I'll, I'll summarize and say king taharka which is the um uh, the, a pharaoh in Egypt in, I believe, the 500s or so BC was instrumental in rescuing uh, Israel from certain destructions by the Assyrians. Now, why is this important? First of all, I read this book and I cried. I put the, mm -hmm. I, It's the only book I ever closed the cover and I just started to weep wow. because it was the first time I saw people that look like me, indisputable, yes, yes. black African people who were and, and the, the joke is Taharka is the only pharaoh that's actually named in the bible so i was raised in a in a, in a christian home and i'm like well, how did i miss that how come no minister ever mentioned that one and here i am flipping until i see it and it was i it was shocking so my point being is our our you know here's another little quick thing that i just found out the other day that in the i think it was the 1830s somewhere about there uh uh European surgeons saw uh, uh, Africans in South Africa, from everywhere from South Africa to Uganda, performing C-sections. Now, this is an advanced medical procedure, right? If you study the history of C-sections, it's literally right there in front of you. So again, it's the, 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 the evidence is there. The stuff is there. But the question is, if we want to keep regurgitating the same story, that's why I'd reject all the slave talk, because it's like, okay, yeah, interesting chapter. However, I've got a very long history that I got to talk about, right? I, I've got warrior queens like Amanatari that I've got to talk about. Yes. I've got the richest man in the world, a man Samusa worth the equivalent of four hundred billion dollars a day to talk about. Yes. I've got a lot to talk about, so I don't need to talk about that stuff. You see what yes. I'm saying? Yes, yes. yes. So, it, so again, we got to go back to this business of 
of of it, it, to what you said, and I think you were so so spot on when you said that. Which is how differently would we speak to our children? Absolutely. And I and I see how different I am with my own sons. The things that I bring to them. That you know, I have I you know I I only I don't celebrate what I'll call Western or colonial holidays. So I don't mm -hmm. do Thanksgiving and Christmas and that yada yada. Like I celebrate my own heroes, right? Because the, the very meaning of a holiday is to reinforce a cultural norm. So why would I reinforce Thanksgiving where my Aboriginal brothers and sisters were slaughtered? I don't, I'm not, I don't participate in that, right? Your choice, I'm not judging nobody for it, but it's just not, that's just not my thing. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So my whole thing is, is okay, so how do we change the conversation? What are we going to teach our kids? Teach the kids the truth. Try that. We'll yeah. start with that. Teach right? the kids the truth. And you also mentioned about, um, and we're going to wrap up soon, just, just to put that out there, mm -hmm. and continue on to other Blackness-like conversations in the next episode. But I think it was you who said, what are we going to do after mm -hmm. uh, we get there? Mm -hmm. And it's this whole idea of getting there mm -hmm. that is actually quite elusive. Mm -hmm. We will never get there because um, there's no there to get. We only have this present moment. And so what do we want to do presently, right now, that is going to get us somewhere different than we are right now? And, and as we know, it's not going to be a homogenous approach. Mm -hmm. So we have to start thinking about, yes, we need to teach our children. Um, and not necessarily, yes, we came from kings and queens, and we may never understand fully where we mm -hmm. came from. And we have to accept this. Um, right. Just define what it is that we want now. What are we taking from what we understand and building for us to move forward? Um, and that's what I take from my children. I try every day to decolonize their minds, to decolonize my mind. But like you said about our language, all of these things are a part of what we're living in. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to create a different environment for how I'm living. But I'm also acutely aware of the society by which I have to, um, to operate in. Mm. When my son wants to see Santa Claus or he wants the whole family to come over for Thanksgiving, it's kind of like, how do I then appropriate that, that to reflect something that I want to celebrate within my home that right. the things that are important to me and how I see the people? Um, but we don't all think that way. And so we also have to stop. I know we have to accept people for where they are. There's a lot of talk about, you know, don't bring that negativity around me or I don't want to be around that person because they're this or they're that. Mental illness is a real problem in the black community and it manifests itself in different ways. And we have to start to learn how to define from somebody who's bad-minded from somebody who struggles. And you not alienate the person who is struggling because it comes up like they have a negative thing around them. They don't know how to articulate what's happening to them. And the further we place that person alone, the more pain they're going to be in and the more pain our community will stay in. So there are bad-minded people. And yes, you need to stay away from them. But if you know someone's not in their, even if their behavior is seen really bad, you have to know the heart of that person and to know that that person is not really coming for you in a way that is to make you fall. So yes, define the boundaries, live within those boundaries, but just love on one another. Um, be empathetic. Um, also, oh, also, I wanted to say too about those, there's some people we just got to write off too. 
who no matter <laughs> I know, have you ever have you ever have you ever seen um this movie called um they live right where you got to put on the sunglasses to see the uh the aliens right there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some black people that if you can put you can put them glasses on them they'll see it and they just won't see it so you just gotta toss them to the side of the road so <laughs> But as I see, this is like a cool thing. So I, I want to add to this. That's thing. just an elephant, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that is a, you get the elephant right there. But uh, <laughs> like uh, one thing I want to add to is like um, it just really hit me too. When we, when we talk about languages and um, even in regards of the aspect of me- mental health, and um, th- this is going to be for a future conversation as well. But in regards mm-hmm. to mental health, one thing that I'm, I'm realizing and see. When we trace our lineage back to the tribalism and, and everything, everything is a different language, different frequency that we're on. So yeah. now my, my lenses have been opened to the fact that, you know what, it's not necessarily somebody's sick. Because, see, there's there's one perspective that the world views things by. Yeah. And they may be experiencing something completely different. And right. we, we may not be speaking the same language. And right. so, like, in, in that sense, like, it is okay to basically um, it, like, try as best as you can to, to understand. But if you can't, do not kill yourself and basically like like do not kill yourself to trying to and, and them as well. So like I think it's with further understanding and empathy, like we can basically um overcome and we we, we are suffering, especially like black people. I think a lot of people who are labeled black, I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna really work my language to get that 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 that, that correct. But uh Be a, a lot of basically like our people, because of the experience that, that our our ancestors went through we have been traumatized whether you know it or not mm-hmm. right. trauma has been passed on down to you because either like an absent father or just different scenarios that basically causes you to behave in certain ways so that like like that being said there's so much mental um intergenerational like, trauma. In, exactly intergenerational traumas that, that's occurring so yes empathy has to be there and you, you may be here with somebody from a different tribe <laughs> like that you guys don't even know, like back in the ancestral like days. So just mm. and you know, I, I think I think also in addition to what you just said there, um, that that's just uh, you mentioned it earlier a few times in regards to just the power of words and uh, how important mm-hmm. language is, and mm-hmm. that um, in fact that uh, when we speak words, I, I've been you know my my time with God, I've been working on something and, and just reading the scripture that uh, says that uh, God is the spirit, and they that worship yeah. must worship in the spirit and truth. And um, I think when we truly understand that, I'm not talking about religion, I'm not talking about wearing white, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> cross, crossing your heart and all that stuff or, you know, none of that nonsense. I'm not talk, talking about any of that. I'm just talking about having a relationship. And then um, uh, that's the power of me, you know, like you said earlier about the importance of words and understanding how, how words are important and how that they are either uh, infective or uh, effective mm-hmm. uh, on the outside, or affecting us on the inside. Either way, there's there's a there's a burden. There's a, there's a weight that everything that we speak or don't speak or something that we don't do. There's a burden that comes with it, mm-hmm. and because it carries a burden, we find ourselves uh, speaking things, saying things that we think are just oh, that's nothing. But in fact, it is something. There's a weight, there's a burden that comes with it. And you mentioned earlier about the mental disorder, mental disease and things of that nature. That comes with it because words are weight. Words are actually, you know, the Bible says that the word is alive. 
because mm -hmm. it is alive, it carries something with it, and that something is a spirit. Yes, exactly. And because it carries that spirit, it will have a person from, as, as a gentleman just said earlier, uh, uh, from generation to one gener from one generation to the next generation. And here we are acting out something that that had nothing to do with us. But nevertheless, it's been placed in our lap. And so we have to figure out how to uh, uh, how to uh, or we have to take a responsibility for it. And if need be, go back in history, mm -hmm. check out where it came from. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, then we can, and then we can heal. Mm -hmm. But until then, you know, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And, and um, I think, uh, so like now we're just going to wrap it up. So, but before we do that, I just want to give each individual, like um, if you have any way of people contacting you or any last words, just um, if you want to plug it in. Um, Curtis, do you have any um, social media or, or any... Uh, uh, well, uh, mostly just uh, for me, uh, again, Curtis Brooks is my name. Uh, mostly for me, it's um, uh, digital marketing. I don't normally uh, chime in in conversations like this, but it's been actually uh, 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 definitely enjoyable. Definitely enjoyable. Uh, but uh, you can reach me on uh, uh, Facebook, mostly Curtis Brooks Media Productions on Facebook. Curtis Brooks Media Productions. Yeah. Okay, and and also like um, I actually want to encourage like all you guys that are in this in this room, if you if you could um also add your your, your social media information because um I believe that in order for, for us to heal to kind of add to facts points, um proximity is very very important. So like whenever I go into spaces now, I try to basically leave all my contacts and, and so we can connect that. I don't know who you know and you don't know who I know. Right, so right. If we come together, we right. can network and you know build from there. So like um. They, they yeah, just add it. Exactly. What's up next week? So next week, so like uh, going along with the series of, that we're doing this month about identity. So today was the self eyewear, as I mentioned early. So like uh, the location eyewear. So next week is going to be the self eyewear, mm -hmm. as in respectability politics. Um, the the mask, the different masks that we put on to belong in this world mm -hmm. and to survive. So like um next week, the same time from three p.m. to four p.m. <laughs> or, or more or 42 oh, right. i want to i want to say uh um this has been an, an honor to be a part of this show you guys always do great content even though this is your second show hey, so you're you. you're two for you're two for two um uh, so, so uh um great great show and thank you so much curtis for uh for joining us um, yeah, it's, uh, amazing stuff. You can follow me at Kente F, and tomorrow we'll be doing a Men and Women Talk to Mars Venus show. Uh, we'll be doing it through YouTube uh, live. So uh, if you're following us on Facebook, we'll hit you guys up. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, cannabis. So that's Ooh. tomorrow. You have Canadians in the room? <laughs> you know what? Maybe we need a couple of Canadians because you guys. I think uh, you do. Yeah. Especially because I know in the comments you were talking about um, if, as a business and as the health. Mm -hmm. Fax has so many things to oh, add man. about the business of cannabis. Really? Yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah. come on through, then. <laughs> Shoot, I would love that. Yeah, man. he knows a lot about the business well, of cannabis. Because uh, Fax, yeah, because uh, so Fax knows about the business. Is he still there? Oh no, he left. He left. He left. So uh, I'll connect you guys because yeah. he. I mean, he has a wealth of information about almost everything. <laughs> That's why we call him Fax. <laughs> <laughs> None but Fax. Yes. That's what we call it. But in terms of the health benefits of, of cannabis, you know, really follow the, the strand, the strain of CBD 
and the lower THC, and you will get to why they would legalize weed in Canada mm -hmm. um, and the real health benefits of that that particular kind. Um, and they must have something in mind because they wouldn't have legalized it if it wasn't about to make them a shitload of money. So <laughs> they're just looking for a way to control it in the U.S. Yes, on that capital level. <laughs> But um, you guys know already in California, you already know what it is out there anyway. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. um, but the IG, stuff. the IG, what, what IG stuff? Like um, verbally saying because they go. I think we also have to say verbally because we might not. If you are basically watching the repost, then you might not see the comments. But um, oh. follow us on um, Instagram at the Elephant Room TV. Uh huh. And and um, from Miss Wade, yours <laughs> is mine. Is this is La Wade. On IG, if uh, you want to catch me on Twitter, it's at LA Wade Six. The six is for the six. Toronto, um, and Mike. Uh, so I am Mike underscore Truth. So M I C and then Charles underscore Truth T R U T H. That's on Instagram, and uh, and also I think tonight uh, you usually do a show on um, Sunday as well. Right? I do, but today it's not going on. But I okay. I am a part because I you know I'm an older <laughs> woman. That just happens Can't to tell. look good. <laughs> but um, it's called All Our Own, and it's for Generation X women. I'm, I'm here with my millennial brother right here. Squad. <laughs> keeping me relevant, keeping me in the know. Um, like, I don't remember. What was the name of that dude, Kinte, that was telling me, you got to just put yourself in there and try something new every day. So my, my millennial friends keep me relevant. <laughs> Your Generation X. <laughs> anyway, I just personally, and so, and I'm sure Mike feels the same way. We want to give a big shout out to our producer, Kinte. Yes. Um, you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm just really grateful that we've connected on this platform. Mm -hmm. And now, look at all the great things that are coming about from it. Mm -hmm. um, look out for town halls in your neighborhood. If there are, if you're in a city where you think that you would like the Elephant Room to come and facilitate mm -hmm. a conversation live. We are more than willing to come across the country and do that, mm -hmm. cross the border, anything mm -hmm. we need to do mm -hmm. to reach you and have these important conversations and to also galvanize the supports that are in your community mm -hmm. because maybe people are not aware of what is there for support. Yes. Um, what is it? Canadian Fest in here? <laughs> yeah, Luke is funny. Oh, Luke, I like, I, I like Luke, Luke. He's an ally. Wait a minute, but uh, Boogie is not really Canadian though, right? So... That's like, true. Yeah, exactly. So he's one of us. He's one of us. Yeah, yes, yeah. He's, yes, yes. he's no, actually from you know Ghana. What? I'm from Ghana. Like, I just claim Ghana. Like, honestly, <laughs> he was born in Ghana. I'm from he was Ghana, not born yeah. in the United okay, States. Okay, so he's I'm not one of us. Yeah. He's not one of us. He's not part of but the tribe. Boogie is the nomad, so he's from everywhere. Yes, I've traveled a lot. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Shannon, guys, all the people that came in the room. Yes. Exactly. Dre. It was great to see Tony, Melvin. Mm -hmm. um, we hope you will join us next week for some more enriching conversation and, mm -hmm. you know, hit us up. Can they email us? Yes, Where can. can they email us? Uh, so our email address is, is the elephant room mm -hmm. TV at, at gmail.com. Oh, that's easy. Exactly. And yes, actually, yes, uh, Luke, you're right. Actually, like, I think I swam. Um, <laughs> I swam. <laughs> I that's a long drive <laughs> okay but you guys you guys were awesome thank you so much Absolutely. And, and and honestly we hope to reconnect uh next week but not at peak time what does that mean uber yeah, that means, uh, that's an uber oh, reference 
okay. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. As you can see. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.